as we uh, look at our scripture today, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, the third chapter. Now, I said something at the last service as uh, Pastor Greg was in here, and you know, Pastor Greg's the, uh, the, the more studious of the two of us, and, and uh, I said that I think that of all the chapters of the Old Testament, that chapter three of the book of Exodus is the most important. Um, Greg would not agree, except we did it. We did have the, we had the conversation out in the parking lot, but Greg would not agree, except as you think of it as the Old Testament alone, yes. The New Testament combined with the Old Testament, then we might have a different conversation. But the Old Testament alone, because chapter three um, begin, well, chapters one and two are the problem the people have as they're in captivity in, in Egypt. And chapter three, God addresses the problem. And all of the 20-something chapters that follow that are about God, actually 30, are about God solving the problem. But chapter three is the burning bush story, Moses encountering God. And here's part of that conversation. It, I'm going to be in chapter 3, beginning at verse 13 and carrying through uh, verse 15. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I say? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we, uh, every year, um, just in January, we begin what we call confirmation. And it's a time for uh, the young students, uh, sixth grade is when we usually do confirmation here. It's time for those students to begin considering, um, will they confirm, my wife's shaking her head, it must be seventh grade. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, I just go along with it, you know. Kids show up in a classroom and I lead them. Uh, <laughs> you're right, seventh grade whatever it is. Boy, this isn't going well yet, is it? So, um, I try to lead these kids not down a wrong path. And, um, uh, but it's a time for students to learn about the faith and, and to decide, because most of them were baptized as infants, to decide that if the promises their parents made for them that they would become followers of Jesus Christ. Is that promise fulfilled in their life? Will they say yes to Christ in their life? Will they confirm that those promises are applicable to them? And so we take them through the process of learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Part of that process is that um, we want them to learn a little bit about a, a broader sense of the faith. And so um, Friday, this past Friday night, we went to the synagogue, uh, um, uh, United Hebrew, which is right across from St. Luke's Hospital there um, at Conway and, and uh, 141. We went to United Hebrew and um, spent uh, their Shabbat service, their, their Sabbath service Friday evening with them. And uh, it's just marvelous time, wonderful time to spend to, to learn. I learn something each time. And um, 
And then this Saturday morning, we did not stay overnight. Dave don't sleep on church floors no more. We did not stay overnight, um, but uh, uh, we came back and went to uh, the mass at the Cathedral Basilica, the Catholic Church downtown, or well, Central West, West End area. Um, marvelous. If you've never been to that church, you will be in awe when you walk into the place. It is absolutely uh, breathtaking. Um, a building that took 80 years to complete. Um, began in the early 1900s, finished around 1980. Um, uh, and when I say that, they, uh, they worshiped in it by the 1920s, but they had this marvelous bunch of uh, mosaics, and they, they used half-inch little tiles that were all hand-placed. That's what took so long. And it is, I mean, they, it's basically two stories of mosaics the whole way around the upper part of the, the uh, it's, you got to go there. Anyway, so um, it's Friday night, we went to uh, the, the worship service, the, the Shabbat uh, service uh, in the, uh, uh, the Jewish, the Hebrew temple. And um, one of the people that's a part of that service is uh, what they call a cantor. Now, a cantor has a, a, a religious education, but also knows how to sing. Every, they, they do everything in song. Almost the entire service, except for the sermon, is in song. And so it'd be kind of like if, if Alyssa, um, uh, you know, interspersed in my sermon some music throughout and, and sang all the prayers. And it's, it is amazing to hear the cantor. I don't know if you know this, but United Hebrew has a world-renowned cantor. So as Jewish people all over the world, cantors all over the world, they know this guy. He is fantastic. But he's also great with the kids. And so uh, to go to that service, and then after the service is over, he gathers with us and teaches us something about what's going on. And they unroll a scroll, and the scrolls, um, the one they unroll is, is uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. So in one scroll, it has Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The way they described it, and their worship room is about the same as ours in size, maybe a little bit bigger. But if he unrolled it all the way, it would go from that door to the stage and out that door. And it cost them $100,000. And I'm like, students, back off. <laughs> because if you touch the, the letters with your fingers, it'll smudge. <laughs> back away, hands off. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful bit. But in part of that, one of the things that he said uh, was, last it's Friday night, he said, he said, God doesn't have a name. And I'm preparing for a sermon where God has a name. I mean, I read that right, didn't I? Isn't that what it says? It, it says, um, that is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And he goes on to say, this is my name forever. Now, I had this argument in my head because it would have been inappropriate to have it out loud. But I have this argument going on in my head. Wait a minute, God's got a name? I am. It's in there. He says, call me by this name, I am. Now, later in the conversation, uh, what he shared was um, more about attributes of God rather than names. And he would suggest, I think, again, we didn't have this argument, it would have been inappropriate, but I think he would have said that I am is an attribute of God, not a name of God. Now, 
uh, one of the things you need to know about the, the, the Hebrew people is, the Jewish people is, that that word, I am, which in the Hebrew, we say it out loud, is Yahweh, um, mispronounced Jehovah, but proper pronunciation is Yahweh. And um, when, when they write it, they'll write it with only the consonants, no vowels, and they'll never say the word. When they read it in Hebrew, and actually they'll read it in Hebrew, they go, they go read from right to left, not left to right. And when they read it in the Hebrew, they, when they come upon that word, usually they'll say Adonai, which is a Hebrew word that means Lord. The reason for that is that when God gives the Ten Commandments and God says, you won't use my name in vain, um, they take that to mean any way that you use the name of God inappropriately, it breaks a commandment. And so to say, Yahweh, what if I said it out loud and I mispronounced it? That would be horrible. That would be blasphemous. Therefore, they don't. They don't ever use that word in their speaking, in their worship. I mean, I, I, I know the scripture. I, I could read along with them, and, the, and they would go, and, and they would, the words should say, Yahweh, they'll say, Adonai. And I'll go, wait. <laughs> so they don't give God that name, or they don't say it out loud. But they, they would say more appropriately, um, uh, well, I think both are appropriate. I think it is appropriate to say that that is the name of God as God gives us that as a name, but it's also an attribute of God. And interestingly enough, it's an attribute in that it is defining that God has no specific attribute. L let me share what I mean. Uh, it's saying uh, I am is that I am everything that you know and even more, so much more. I am far beyond your limited ability to comprehend. For I am limitless. Yahweh, I am, means I am limitless. Somebody reminded me in the lobby after the first service that, that uh, um, Yahweh can also, because um, text uh, tense is kind of fluid in Hebrew, Yahweh can also be, I will be who I will be. Instead of I am who I am, I will be who I will be. In other words, I'm self-directing. You don't get to decide. You can't hang a name on me that is going to limit me. So the Jews won't pronounce the name, but, but even still, it seems like it's a, a name for God in the Bible. Oftentimes, I think it is helpful for us to name God. Not, not to limit God by a name, but in naming God, we share with each other and with ourselves those attributes of God that are vital to our faith. In that way, names of God help us to know to whom we are praying. Jesus addresses God as Abba which is Aramaic for father, or maybe even a more colloquial daddy. And he teaches us to pray a prayer where he says, our father who art in heaven. To the Arameans, when he was teaching them that prayer, those who speak Aramaic, he would have said, Abba, our father who art in heaven. 
There are so many names or attributes for God in the Bible. Let me, let me go through a few of those uh, with you, and, and I'm going to go kind of quickly, but, but um, it's important for us to know that, that God is named in Scripture in so many different ways or given so many attributes because in praying these names, we grow in our understanding of God. Elohim is God, the creator, mighty and strong. Elohim is when you read the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is the word used in there. God, creator, mighty, strong. El Shaddai, God almighty. Edadai, there's that one, Lord. Lord, meaning that, that God, you own everything, including me. And I owe myself to you. You are my Lord. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Yahweh Tzitkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. El Olam, everlasting God. Yeshua, now, this is a real interesting one. We talked about this the other day, uh, a few Sundays ago. Yeshua, which we translate in the, New, in the Old Testament as Joshua. In the New Testament, we translate it as Jesus. Yeshua means God saves. And my favorite, Elroy. I just like that one. The God who sees. Not only do I just like it because God's named Elroy, but also God sees all. And I like that sense of God's ever-presence with us. And I can pray a prayer that says, God, you are Elroy. You see everything. You know everything. Your knowledge is without boundary. And while we can't fully uh, know and comprehend the limitlessness of God, naming these attributes tells us something about God, teaches us as we pray. The names of God it put us in a, a right relationship with God. Again, Adonai, Lord, it reminds us that our life belongs to God. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, reminds us that God is our salvation. Yahweh, Jireh, reminds us that all that we need and all that we have comes from the God who provides. The names of God also help us know what to ask for. In putting us in that right relationship with God, we know where we are with God and helps us know what to pray, what to ask for from God. Recently, Nancy and I have been binge-watching a series called The Chosen. Have any of you heard of this series, The Chosen? A few of you have. Maybe you saw it here at the church. We showed it, we showed it in several different uh, venues here at the church. Um, the Chosen series, first of all, it's a little hard to get to. Um, uh, you can download an app on your phone called The Chosen from Angel Studios, um, or you can, uh, if you have Roku, you can download the app on your Roku and watch it through there. Um, I'm sure there's other ways. I don't know exactly how to watch. We go through Roku. Um, but it's, a, it's the story of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not 
100% faithful to following a script from the Bible. But I do really think that it's 100% faithful um, in its intent to portray Jesus in a very real way. I, I, it's interesting, once in a while, he'll use a colloquialism that you know is from this <laughs> 2,000 years later, and he uses it then. Like, at one point, he makes a joke, and he says, oh, too soon? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't say that. <laughs> Nevertheless, as we were watching it recently, um, there's the story of the pool at Siloam, and, and the pool at Siloam is in Jerusalem. Uh, actually, it's uncovered recently. Within the last 30 years, they uncovered it. They found it. Um, and the pool at Siloam is uh, where a spring or a geyser is underneath. Um, and they, they built kind of, you know, an area around that, a, a porch, a patio around it um, in stone. And um, the belief was that if you had an illness... Um, or a disability, if you could be the first one in the water when the geyser went off, or the spring bubbled, or whatever it was, uh, you would be healed. That was the, the legend of the day. And so there's this guy that can't get there. He's, he's on the side, but he's never the first one in the water. Never could get there. For years and years and years, he was struggling to get into the water first, and never could get there. And Jesus shows up. And he asks the question, do you want to be healed? Okay, I mean, we're all reading that and going, duh. But it's a relevant question. Do you want to be healed? Because being healed brings some responsibility with it, I think. One, <laughs> a faithfulness to the one that healed you. Two, if you go from unable to walk to all of a sudden you are able-bodied, instead of sitting by the pool, you got to go out and get a job. You got to go do. You got to. No longer should you be begging. You should be the one providing for the beggar. God answers prayers, but be careful what you pray. Be careful about how that puts you in a relationship with God, where that places you. And I bring that up because, interestingly, later there's a story that is not in the Bible. It's, it's a little bit, I mean, it's, it's made-up story. And they did this. They tried to fill in some of the blanks. And it's a story about James the Lesser. Most of us have not heard of him, but there were 12 apostles, right? 12 that followed Jesus. We kind of know that. But, but one of them was James, the brother of John. And he's, called, he's just called James or James the Greater. In the story, they call him Big James and Little James. <laughs> so James the Lesser is the other James in the, in one of the apostles. And James the Lesser um, walks with a cane in the story. We don't know that about him um, from the Bible, but in the story, he walks with a cane. He has some ailment in a hip or a knee or an ankle or whatever. Um, he walks with a cane, um, and Jesus has just told the 12, I am sending you guys out to the world two by two, and you're going to go preach what I'm preaching, and you're going to heal people. And James pulls him aside, and he says, I'm going to heal people. You haven't even healed me. And Jesus asked the question, James, do you want to be healed? One of the things I think is cool about the question is, Jesus isn't going to force himself on you. 
It's not going to force his will on you. It's not going to require anything of you that you're not willing to do or learn or grow in. But in that story, what he said to James, when he said, do you want to be healed? He followed it up with saying, you know how cool it would be when you go to a town and people who can't walk see how you struggle to walk and you heal them? They'll identify you right, with you right away because of your ailment, but now you'll be able to offer them something even out of your seemingly, um, I don't have enough because I'm not healed. You have enough to give away to heal. I just thought that image was, was amazing. Here is, here is James. He, he hadn't prayed, Lord, heal me. He hadn't asked Jesus to heal him. But Jesus asked him back, do you want to be healed? Because you have an opportunity here to sacrifice something that people don't think you have. To give away for the sake of others. To save people who didn't know they could be saved. Through your work. Just as, as God is our salvation by offering us his son Jesus, James then becomes an offering to others. In his prayer, it wasn't to be healed, but to become for God what God needed him to be. Sometimes those prayers help us as we identify who God is we know what to ask for, but we also learn who we are. A few weeks ago, we, uh, we did this uh, prayer of St. Francis, but we did a different one. It was a one that maybe is a little more familiar. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Uh, by the way, uh, those cards that are in your bulletin, um, if you want to pull that one out right now, um, the uh, prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, um, we, all the other prayers that we've been praying for the last several weeks, if you want a copy of those other cards, they're out on the lobby desk. Just feel free to grab whichever one uh, you missed. Um, you can have one. But what I suggest is, um, so we're, we're doing this series on the prayers of the saints because um, uh, saints are people that uh, I, I've said they're the great gift from the Roman Catholic Church. They, they have given us the names and stories of people that are well worth us following, St. Francis being one of those. And I thought about, you know, when the saints pray, what do they pray? Because that might be informational for us. It might, be, it might help lead us. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this prayer for you. And, um, and then we're going to pray it. But I want to read it through once for you. And as I do, think about, think about these questions. Um, what does the prayer tell us about who God is? And what does the prayer teach you about your relationship with God? And how can that prayer help you to, to know how to pray and what to ask for? In this, in this prayer of St. Francis, he gives us names, attributes for God. So just listen through this first time. You are holy, Lord, the only God. And your deeds are wonderful. You are strong. You are great. You are the Most High. You are Almighty. You, Holy Father, are King of heaven and earth. 
You are three and one. Lord God, all good. You are good, all good, supreme good. Lord God, living and true, you are love. You are wisdom. You are humility. You are endurance. You are rest. You are peace. You are joy and gladness. You are justice and moderation. You are all our riches and you suffice for us. You are beauty. You are gentleness. You are our protector. You are our guardian and defender. You are our courage. You are heaven. I'm sorry. You are our haven and our hope. You are our faith, our great consolation. You are our eternal life, great and wonderful Lord, God Almighty, merciful Savior. Did you hear in that your own need for God? Did you hear in that an identity of God that maybe you need to be reflecting upon? I invite you now to have that prayer out, or you can look on the screen. I also invite you to take it home with you and, 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 and pray it every day this week. Let's pray this prayer together. You are holy, Lord, the only God, and your deeds are wonderful. You are strong. You are great. You are the Most High. You are Almighty. You, Holy Father, are King of heaven and earth. You are three and one, Lord God, all good. You are good, all good, supreme good. Lord God, living and true. You are love. You are wisdom. You are humility. You are endurance. You are rest. You are peace. You are joy and gladness. You are justice and moderation. You are all our riches and you suffice for us. You are beauty. You are gentleness. You are our protector. You are our guardian and defender. You are our courage. You are our haven and our hope. You are our faith, our great consolation. You are our eternal life, great and wonderful Lord, God Almighty, merciful Savior. Amen and amen.